Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, all right. How's everybody doing? What do you say we put our hands together and welcome all those that are watching online and our different venues. Come on, let them hear you a little bit. It's an honor to be able to be here in the Metroplex and here with you, Milestone. I do, I do, I so love your pastor and uh, Pastor Jeff and his wife, Brandy, and his whole family. And you have an amazing pastor and a great leadership team. Why don't you celebrate them? Because they're worth being celebrated. Thank you so much, guys. They're just, they're just amazing people. I bring you beautiful, warm ocean breeze blessings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How many of you have been to Destin, 30A area? Let me see your hand. Oh, my gosh. Whew, what's that? Five times. Five times. Somebody's here. Just, why don't you just move there, man? Come on. I, I just got to just tell you how cool it is to be able to be in Destin because, you know, it's just I get to meet so many wonderful people. And if you ever vacation there, come by, say hi to us at Destiny Worship Center. We're right across the Outlet Mall. I say that for all the wives. At the Outlet Mall. Across there, you come by and say hi to us. We'd love to just say hi to you because we do consider our church in real relationship and a real strength and a real bond of friendship and family with Milestone. Hey, let me, speaking of family, let me, let me show you my family as it comes up on the screen. Uh, on my far left is my son, Victor. There he is. He's my youngest. He oversees our student ministries for all of our campuses uh, his, uh, my hair was his color. My hair was his color before I got called into the pastorate. But I made a covenant with my hair the same way I made a covenant with my wife. I said, you can turn on me, you just can't leave me. <laughs> and so, and so that's, just, that's just the way it is. And then next to him is Samantha, my, uh, my just sweet daughter-in-law. She's with child, as you can tell, with a little baby bump. She's got a little, we got a grandson on the way. We're so excited about. And there's my, my beautiful wife right there in the middle. I, I, this is her birthday month. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, okay? But she was born in 63. <laughs> and for those of you that are trying to do your math and are getting a little brain exercise here, let me just tell you, she's 57. But she's beautiful at 57, so I don't mind bragging about it. And then there's my little granddaughter, Sophia, laying hands on me because she might sense something not right with me. You know what I'm saying? Maybe trying to cast something out of me. I don't know what she's doing. But, and there's Tiffany, my daughter-in-law, who's also expecting a, grand, uh, a boy. And then my son, Stephen, on the far right over there. He's 28 years old. He leads our Fort Walton Beach campus. Uh, he's a live communicator. Campus is a year and a half old, 1,600 people before COVID. And then uh, it's about 1,200 now. And I just, uh, they all do ministry with us together. We're all family. And uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to just share them with you. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, welcoming me. I've been here many times and I'm just so honored to, uh, to just be here with you and to celebrate with you what God is doing. God's doing some amazing things in Milestone, isn't he? Oh my gosh, is he doing some amazing things. Isn't it exciting? And here's the good part, ready? The best is yet. You betcha, it sure is. Why don't, we, why don't we dive into this morning's message today? And I want to talk to you about urgent faith today because 
How many of you know that we're living in some pretty, in a, in a, in some pretty incredible times? I mean, you just, you, you, you just know it. Unless you've been living under a rock, you, you need to realize we have been living in some unprecedented times, some incredible times. And it's, a, it's an urgent hour, and I believe uh, it takes an urgent faith. And I want to look at it today through the life of a man by the name of Noah. Because Noah is mentioned in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, as the hall of faith, of, you know, of fame, where great, mighty men and women of God did some amazing things because of the faith that they had. And I believe Noah had an urgency of faith for his day and hour. And I believe we could take what he did and apply it to our lives and find ourselves just like Noah, really just rising above all the waters and all the chaos, like Blake Song said, and all the madness. I mean, we could rise above it with a great faith. Amen, somebody? And that's what we are. We're a people of faith. We're a people, that's why we're here. We're a people of faith, and we really believe in a living God. And I really believe in the Bible. And everything that the Bible says is worth believing from cover to cover. It is. Even the story of Noah, where people say, nah, no man built such a big boat. And, no, that's just a good old fairy tale, a legend, some kind of, you know, myth. I want you to know everything in this Bible is true. Worth believing on and worth building your life upon. And whether, you know, sometimes it might not fit in our brain and we might not be able to wrap everything around it, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. God is real. And there was a real man that built a real boat by the name of Noah. And if you've been to Kentucky to see the replica, anybody been to Kentucky to see the replicas? Look at this bunch of people here. I'm going to tell you something. That thing is ginormous. Now, I don't know what that word means, but I think it means big and large, but it's a huge it's a huge replica of four football fields long, as tall as this building. It's incredible. And that God used this one man to do what I say an ordinary man can do in extraordinary things. As you bring that thought up, please. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things with urgent faith. Can I hear a good amen? It's really true. And this man built an incredible boat and there wasn't even a Home Depot nearby. He was an incredible man, but he was an ordinary man. But hey, let's get real. God didn't use superstars. He just used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Fishermen, tent makers, tax collectors. He doesn't look for the, for the superstars. He looks for ordinary people that dare to believe him with a faith. An urgent faith to do extraordinary things. And this brings us to Noah. And I just want to unpack to all of you watching, wherever venue, we welcome you. But one verse, just, just take one verse and unpack it. And here it is, Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. One man that did this incredible feat. And let me just tell you something. Everyone looks at the life of Noah and thinks, I know what he did. He built a boat. Well, he did. 
But that's not what he was called to do. Well, he, he saved the animals. That's it. He saved the animals so we can have the Animal Planet channel. Well, he did. But that's not what he was called to do. He was called to lift a curse that was in the earth. He was called to help people live a more productive life. And I want to unpack it for you in the scriptures so we can realize we can take this man's life and apply it to ourselves. Because none of us are going to build an ark and none of us are going to go round up a bunch of animals. But we can help people live a productive life. So number one, we've got to live missionally. We've got to live missional. We've got to live for a cause. We have to live for purpose. How many know that God created you and had something for you to do? As a matter of fact, he had, something for you, for, he had something to be done and then created you. He didn't create you and say, hey, I wonder what I'm going to do with you. He had something already planned and then created you to fulfill that assignment. Do you believe that today? I do. I do. God had something specifically needed to be done. And what Noah did was he lived missional. He was on a mission from God, if I can use that quote. He was on a mission for God. And let me show it to you because I think it's important. Because you were born to help people live productive lives and to lift them from where they're at. The Bible tells us in Genesis 5.29, when he was born, here's what his daddy said. Saw something special about him. He said, bye. And he called his name Noah, saying, this one will comfort us concerning our work and our toil of our hands. Because of the ground which the Lord God has. Say the last word out loud, everybody. Come on. Okay, he didn't say this man's going to build a boat. And he didn't say this man is going to gather animals. Here's what he said. He said, this man right here, there's a touch on his life. To help people who are living less than live productive lives. He's going to help us and comfort us. Well, what was the curse that was in the earth? What was happening in the time around him? That caused him to have to rise up above. Well, you all know in Genesis 3:17, when Adam and Eve fell, you know, Eve was gonna have issues with childbearing, but the Bible tells us that Adam was gonna have issues producing and working in the field. The ground is cursed is the ground for your sake. There's the curse. A ground that lacked productivity. No matter how hard you worked, no matter how hard you toiled, you'd struggle. It's about a struggle. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So the curse that was in the earth was a lack of productivity in the earth that was so harsh, so fierce, so tenacious that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, I'm just weaving some scriptures together, that the earth was so corrupt before God and the earth was filled with, say the last word everybody, come on. I'm going to make you participate with me and preach this with me. It was filled with violence. They were fighting over stuff because there was such a lack. Kind of like some of you at Kroger looking for some toilet paper and some Lysol wipes during this COVID thing. It got ugly, but it got real ugly in Genesis. And these people here were struggling. So God spoke to Noah. To build an ark. To save the animals. To start over. And to help lift the curse. 
And the Bible says after he built an ark for a hundred years and rose up above the floodwaters for over a year, that he landed on a mountain by the name of Ararat. And when he got out, God made a promise. And you'll see it in Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remains, look at it, seed time and harvest. Productivity will begin now because one man who obeyed me with an urgent faith has lifted up this curse that lacked productivity for seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, seasons of productivity can now begin to come upon the earth. Beloved, hear me, you and I can relate to this man because we're not extraordinary, we're ordinary people. But how many know that we can help people who lack productivity, who lack to produce healthy marriages, healthy lives, healthy walks with God. We can be uh, lifters of curses that people are struggling to produce because we have a faith that can relate to Noah. Somebody say amen. amen. It's true. This is now I, how I can apply my life to Noah. Because if I just do what God's called me to do, lead a small group, work on a dream team, be a part of something. If I'm obedient to my, little, to my calling with an urgency, not a passivity. I can watch things change all around me. I can watch people come alive. Just like we watched the Scots come alive in that, in that video. That was, wasn't that a beautiful video, everybody? I mean, we just watched a couple just come alive. Because why? Because people were doing their part to lead a small group and a Bible study and to come here and embrace people and welcome and pour them a coffee and, and just love on them. If we do our part, we'll watch people rise up above a lack of productivity and fruitfulness in their life. And they could be all that they could be for Jesus Christ. I was thinking about a young man that came to us. His grandmother introduced him to us. She's with the Lord now. But she came and introduced me to her grandson who unfortunately got in trouble. He didn't have a daddy. There was, whoa, talk about a hurt. Talk about a tough time. Talk about a curse to not have a, you know, just, just talk about a, just, a, just what it is. Everyone needs a dad. And he was just hurt and he got in trouble. He got up, mixed up with the wrong crowd and, and went to jail. And he did 10 years of jail time. And uh, it was pretty severe. And he got out and he sat before me and uh, his mama said, can we help him? Can we help him? He wants to really redeem his life and get back on the right track. And I was like, I want to help him. I mean, it's important that we help people redeem their life. I said, let's, let, let's do that. And she goes, I said, the best thing we need to do is just help him get a job. He goes, yeah. I said, well, what happened to him? What, I mean, how long was he in jail? He was in jail for 10 years. I said, what did he do? Did he do drugs? Did he have a DUI? He said, no, he robbed a bank. Ooh. Well, we'll try to get him a job. How I many you know that's, that's a pretty high barrier? But I called a friend of mine because he was a manager across the street at the Silver Sands Outlet Mall and he managed one of the well-known national retailers. And I said, hey man, I need you to get this man a job. His name is Mike, by the way. And, and he's a good-hearted man. He just started coming to our church and we just need to help him. And he goes, he goes ah, no problem, Pastor. I said, well, there is a little bit of a snag. 
He goes, well, what's that? I said, I said, well, I just want you to know that he, uh, he got arrested and he did some jail time. He goes, okay. He goes, what was it? I said, it was, uh, uh, it was a bank robbery. I said, but it was a small bank. <laughs> it's a little community bank, you know? <laughs> and he's like, Pastor, I don't know how to, how, how do I present that? How do I, how do I prove it? I said, man, I said, do what you can. I said, he really needs help. I said, if we don't help him, who will? Come on, who will? No, if you don't do this, who will? Ordinary people doing extraordinary things to help other people live productive life. If we don't, who will? I said, come on, do something. He called me back a week later. That man, by the way, moved to Dallas and goes to this church. If you need a job, no, forget it, just hear me. He can work miracles. No. I said, hey. I said, uh, he said, I got him a job. I said, well, I don't want to know how you got it, but I'm grateful. Man, that man found him a godly woman who's raising godly kids. He's living life right. He's living a productive life. Why? Because we used our influence and in where we were and what we had we weren't extraordinary. We were just ordinary people. A manager of a retail store giving a man a hand up and now all of a sudden he's doing well. Hear me, there we can be fruitful and help lift people higher. Come on, somebody. We can do that together as a church. That's why we're here together today. Living missionally, living strategically. But not only did Noah know his call and his purpose and his cause, he saw the future. Number two, see the future. See the future. The Bible says in being warned of things yet not seen, in verse seven, people of urgent faith have a relationship with God and say, God, show me what to do. God, show me what's coming. Show me. I know you know the future. Does God know the future? God, show me what to do. In these turbulent times, in these chaotic times, in these COVID times, in these, in these tense political times. God, show me what's coming. Show me what the future looks like. And show me what to do for me and my family. I believe God wants you to know. And not only does God know, I believe he wants you to know. You say, Pastor, are you serious? Absolutely. He said that when he gives us the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13, he said when he, the Holy Spirit, he will come, he will show you, come on, finish it with me, everybody, things to, well, if that's not the future, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Show me what, show me. Show me what we should do for our future. Show me what to do with my life. Show me what to do with my money. Show me what to do with my kids. Show me because the future's coming. And, I, and God says, I want you to get ahead of it. I don't want you to be caught. This is what God did with Noah. He said, there's a rain coming and it's coming. I'm telling you, the future is coming and you need to get ready for it. You need to get ready. And Jesus didn't tell us the future to scare us. He told us the future to prepare us. He said, I want you to know so you don't get caught. Un, unprepared. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be COVID. All these things. The Bible tells that. Luke 21, Matthew 24. It tells us about these things. But that doesn't mean that we're scared. It doesn't mean that we're afraid. He's just going to tell us exactly what to do because God looks to save us and to satisfy us even in tough times. Come on, somebody. 
That's his heart. God wants to save us and satisfy you with what he shows you. I think it's important. It's important. Even with parenting, when Jackie and I got married, we're like disciplining our kids. And we realized that the future of undisciplined kids is not pretty. We need to discipline our kids. They'll grow up, instead of being empowered, they'll grow up entitled, disrespecting authority. And we purposed in our hearts. We saw the future of undisciplined kids and we purposed to change it. Come on. I saw it and I said, I said, I said, no, baby, boys, uh, those two sweet boys you saw. Uh, let me just tell you something. Boys, let me tell you something. You're not going to talk back to mama. When you talk back to mama, that means one day you're going to talk back to your wife. Then one day you're going to talk back to your boss and then you're going to get fired. And after you get fired, you're going to lose your paycheck. When you lose your paycheck, you're going to fall behind on your mortgage. When you fall behind on your mortgage, you're going to fall. You're going to have some tough times. And when you have tough times and financial problems, you and your wife are going to start fighting. And when you start fighting, you're going to get mad. She's going to get mad. And there's no way you're going to move back in with me and mama. <laughs> I've seen this movie and I've seen this future. So I'm going to change the future by using some leather. Come on, somebody. That's the way it works. You say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? This right here will show you the future. He longs to tell you what to do in your parenting, in your life, with your future, with your finances. 2006, I got caught up in the financial thing. You know, we were buying houses in February for 200,000 and selling them in March for 300,000. Y'all remember those, those crazy financial days? Well, I was doing that and I owned three, four homes in Sandusky Resort. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I'm telling you, he wants to save us. He wants to show us. And the Lord said to me, he's like, gather your seed. Gather your seed. You see, I had equity in all our homes and our investments, but I also had debt in all of them and I had ownership in none of them. And the Lord said, gather your seed. So I started, I said, honey, I felt like the Lord showed us to sell some property. Why? Things are going so hot. I said, just do what God said, baby. Let's sell them. We started to sell them off. Thank God we did. Because 2008 came. I would have lost all of our equity and kept all of our debt. And I realized, you say, well, you were something special for God to show you? No. Listen, God, we all have the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is living inside of us, and if we press in and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not passive about my faith. I'm really urgent about my faith. Show me what to do with my life. Show me what to do with our finances. Show me what to do with our family. I'm going to tell you something. He'll show you because he cares about you. And God has a voice to talk, and God has an eye to see, and he'll tell you how to get ahead of it. I just believe that with all my heart. Because 1 Chronicles 12, 32 tells us about a, a, the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times. And friends, hear me. Just like Noah knew that the times were tough and he needed to build a boat and to realize what was coming, the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel should do. And God says, I want you to know what to do. I don't want, I don't want any season to catch you by surprise. We serve a fabulous God. That'll speak to us with a sense of urgency. Now, if we're passive and we just go along, then we're not going to be as in tune as Noah was to say, God, show me, show me 
what my purpose is. Show, be missional and see the future. But number three, I want you to know something. Be motivated by grace. By faith, Noah lived missionally. Got a glimpse of the future because the Bible says he was warned of things yet not seen. Moved by fear. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 7. In other words, there was a fear. But hear me, that fear was not a spirit of fear because how many know that God does not give us a spirit of fear? He doesn't give you a spirit of fear. It's not the fear of guilt or fear of man, the fear of the past. It's about an awe of God. He had such an awe of Almighty God that God himself had such a love for him and a care for him and to want to use him he realized he was in awe of grace. You say, grace? Grace. The first time the word grace, the very grace that you and I are saved by through faith in Ephesians 2 and 8, the reality is it was mentioned in the book of Genesis in Genesis 6 and 8. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6 and 8 that Noah found grace in the sight of God. He's like, wow, God, I am in so, oh, you blow me away. God, you blow my mind away. That you love me enough to show me who you are and to care about me and wanna, want me to secure my future and use little old me as an ordinary man to do something extraordinary. He was blown away by the grace that God had for him. And I want you to know that you have received the grace of God as well. And you can't lose the awe of grace. Because if you lose the awe, you'll lose your urgency. Don't lose your awe or you'll lose your urgency. All of a sudden, that which is sacred is common. You know how long it took him to build a boat? A hundred years. As a pastor, my heart is to see people finish well. Finish strong. Not quit. Not stop serving God. But just keep on going until God calls them home. And that's the key. But if you start losing sight of the grace that God has given you and you start looking at somebody else and somebody else's blessings and somebody else's kind of grace and you begin to compare yourself with somebody else, you can all of a sudden something can happen inside of you because I saw something in the scriptures that I want to expound to you. Noah was an incredible man, but one of his relatives named Enoch the Bible says in Genesis, if you bring it up in Genesis 5.22, that Enoch, he, finish it with me, everybody, he walked with what? Now, let me say this to you. He walked with God in a real strong way. So much so that God said, I like you, dude. Why don't you come on up here? And the Bible tells us Enoch one day was walking and all of a sudden, boop, he was gone. He was raptured. And he was taken to heaven didn't have to deal with the lack and, the, and all the stuff. He was walking the streets of coal, baby. He was loving it. He was strutting up there in heaven. And now here's Noah. The Bible tells us in the very next slide that I have in Genesis 6, 9, that Noah walked with God. He wasn't walking those streets of gold. He was walking around cleaning up all sorts of droppings from all these animals. He was sidestepping cow pies. He wasn't walking streets of gold. But can I tell you this? Even though their lives look different, their relationship with God was the same. They walked with God and God had a favor on their life. Do me a favor and during these urgent times, 
Don't look at what you have. Don't look at what somebody else has and what you don't have. You keep your eyes fixed on the awe that God has given you a grace and has saved you and has given you a relationship with himself and has called you to do something extraordinary. Whatever your possession is, whatever you're having to walk through, whatever it is, don't lose sight of it because if you lose your awe, you'll lose your urgency. Am I making sense, somebody? Stay focused on what God has given you and be passionate about it and don't let that dishearten you. We were building a building in 2008, nine, during the collapse. It was tough. And, uh, but we know what God said. And I called a friend of mine up in Atlanta who, who was just, 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 just doing a fabulous job. And, uh, and, and, and I was telling him about our building program. We're just believing the Lord, you know, to, to make it and, and, to, and to do well. And he, and he all of a sudden tells me, he said, yeah, man, we're going to do really well. We're going to be able to pay cash for our building. I said, what? He goes, yeah, we're going to be able to pay cash for our building. He said, a guy in our church just sold his company for $67 million and dropped a $6.7 million tithe. You know, a tithe of a dollar and a tithe of $67 million. A tithe is a tithe. 10% is 10%. That's that's not extraordinary. That's just obedience. Can I hear a good amen? Okay, so he tithed on his on on that. Okay, and and I thought six point seven. I said I so rejoice with you. Then I hung up and said I so hate you. I'm over here just you know trying to scrape up some nickels to build a building, and you're over here with a six point seven million dollar tithe. Can I just tell you something? I needed to keep my eye and my awe on God. I would have lost grace in the middle of what God has called us to do. We built our building and God saw us through and he's gonna see you through. Amen, somebody? Number four, let me tell you what he did. He prioritized family. By faith, Noah, he knew what he was called to do. Being warned of things yet not seen, he got a glimpse of the future to get ahead of it. Moved with fear, he had the right motivation He wasn't jealous. He was in awe of grace. Built an ark for the saving of his household. Family was everything to him. He wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on others. That's what God calls us to do. An urgent faith isn't just urgent about himself. Now, I know we're supposed to take care of our families, and I, and I believe that. The Bible tells us that we need to take care of our own, so we're not like uh, 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 unbelievers, that we need to be mindful of our own, of our family, and of our children. But I want you to know something. It cannot stay with just us. Noah was thinking a whole lot more than just himself. He was thinking of his household. He was thinking of his family, his children. But I believe he was also thinking of us because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And this is the beauty of what God has called you and I to be a part of. Me and Destin, but you here in the Metroplex at Milestone Church. That you are here for this one reason. To build an ark, not a boat, but a house where people can come in. A safe place where people can be saved. People can live productive lives. People can have whatever's heavy on their life or whatever has afflicted their life, a curse if I can use that term, that can be lifted off of their lives so they can be all that they can be for the glory of Jesus Christ. You and I are called to build a family and to build an ark, a safe place. I love it every time I show up here at Milestone. Every time, it never fails. Y'all are always up to something good. You're always expanding. 
You're always thinking about the lost. You're always thinking about others. I believe that's the heart of Jesus. You're oh, you're expanding your parking lot. Next week is a vision week. We're, 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 I know Pastor Jeff has gotten a download from heaven for what's next. Why? Because that's his heart. He's not comfortable during these times. He has an urgent faith in these times. I just believe that with all my heart. It embodies who he is and what this church is all about. That's why I love this house and I love, I love the people of this house. Because you think more than just my immediate family, we think of the family of faith. How, how precious that is. The dug in niches that we just saw earlier. That people that need to come into this house to be able to receive the life that we have. Isn't it beautiful that we get to share what we have with others? Come on, somebody. We get to share it because we prioritize family. We put others first. Both our immediate family and our, our spiritual family. We put ourselves last. What's it take? Build a boat. I'll do it. If that's what it takes, I'll do it. Sacrifice, I'll do it. I'll give my time, my treasure, my talent. I'll do it. Why? Because one, I can't take it with me. And two, it's not for me. It's for somebody else. Last but not least, Noah did something amazing. He rose above culture. You and I need to rise above culture. By faith, Noah, being warned of things yet not seen, moved with fear to the building of an ark, to the saving of his household. Now listen to what it says. It's really cool. By whom he condemned the world and became the righteousness and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Can I say something to you today? He didn't condemn people. I said he didn't condemn people. He just condemned the world. What's the difference, pastor? He was preaching, G he was preaching righteousness to get people saved. He didn't want to see people be lost. He didn't want to see people drown. What does it say that, pastor? 2 Peter 2, 5. God didn't spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people. But look what the Bible calls him. A preacher of righteousness. He was trying to tell everyone that he could find. Everyone that could listen to him. Everyone that would stay and say, hey man, what are you doing out there with that big, all that wood? He's doing everything he could. Let me tell you what he was saying. Ready? The world's ways do not work, but God's ways does. He was telling everyone that came in contact with him. And for a hundred years, I bet you people came up to him and said, what are you doing, you old fool? What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm just building a boat because God told me to, to help lift this curse. Well, come on, you're, you, you need to think like we think. We, you need to think like we think. Jesus said when he comes back, it'll be like the days of Noah. People saying, oh, you're not progressive enough. Oh, you're not open-minded enough. You need to think more progressive, more, 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 more today. And, and Noah, for a hundred years, refused Refuse to compromise on what God says. And we're going to be a people that will refuse to compromise on what God says. We're going to build our homes, our lives, our children, our families, our church on the word of God. Why is that? Because the Bible told us that the rain would come. And the world's ways don't work. And Noah, some way, somehow, 
He rose above it and floated above it while everyone else was drowning in culture. You know what? I realized that the Bible tells us a story of two houses that were built. One on a rock and the other one on, anybody know? All sand is, is rock eroded over time by water and wind. And I thought that's exactly, that's exactly what we need to be careful of. That culture over time doesn't erode and beat up in your heart this. Because we've purposed to build our homes on this. And the world will beat you up like for a hundred years it tried to get to Noah. Come on, Noah, stop doing that. Live like us and think like us. And Noah's like, no. The world's ways don't work. And you might not think it, it's true. But when the ark was closed and the rain came, Noah and his family were rising above the floodwaters. And I want you to know this. Here's God's heart. You ready? Live missional. See the future. Have the right motivation. Prioritize your family. And rise above culture. What do you say? We pray together today. Every head bowed. Father, thank you for this amazing man named Noah. Lord, here we are. I pray you would use us. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord, like you use this amazing man to do extraordinary things. You use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus you would lock this message in our heart because at the end of the day, you long to save the world. You long to save our homes and our families. You long to save our future. And so today, God, may we live missionally. May we get a glimpse of the future. May we put family and the family of faith first in our lives. May we always have the awe of your grace. And may we never let culture erode the, the values of the Bible that we know is the only lasting truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, give God a great big hand, somebody. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.